Hey, Chris. I, I saw this bumper sticker the other day. It said, I get along with God just fine. It's his fan club that I just can't stand. Yeah, and yesterday I saw this meme on Facebook. It was both hilarious and kind of depressing, but uh, it was a quote from comedian Dan Mintz, and it said, I'm not usually religious, but one time I was on a plane that was going through some really frightening and violent turbulence, so I immediately began taking rights away from gay people. (sighs) Brutal. There's this other quote, and I've seen it on a bumper sticker. It comes from Gandhi. I've also seen it in social media and other things. It says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. You know, sometimes I just think Jesus needs better PR. Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. In today's episode 14, you are here. So talk to me, Chris. What is it? There's a lot of times that Christians come off as small-minded, punitive, self-righteous people, morally superior. That is the experience. It's the honest and true experience that many people have of, of Jesus followers. And Jesus, yeah, he's as popular as ever, but there, there are research numbers to, to bear this out. Christians are not nearly as popular. So what is this all about? You know, I'm, I'm just not surprised by that, I guess. Um, there's a lot of, of different and I think legitimate reasons that people don't participate in a religious tradition. Um, but, but I do wonder if, particularly for those who consider themselves spiritual, it actually might be some of the stuff that we mentioned in that introduction. Mm. Uh, maybe that just our way of living doesn't reflect the person of Jesus that we hear about. And I think often church seems to be saying the things that in many ways just are exactly opposite of the way that Jesus lived and the things that he taught. And, and in some ways, I think opposite of what most Christians that I know seem to intuitively understand about who God is. It seems like somewhere we've uh, just gotten the story a bit backwards. So this has a lot to do with conversations that we've been having recently, uh, and especially with our, with our friend Charles Ortloff. Uh, Charles is a pastor, and we serve on staff together. And uh, let's start with a bumper sticker, Charles. What do you think of it? I get along with God just fine. It's his fan clubs that I can't stand. That's really good, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I resonate with that, that tension. Um, uh, but on the one hand, um, God is loving. On the other hand, God seems to be angry. Hmm. Um, that has sort of been something I've lived with my whole life. Um, one of my earliest memories of being in the church as a little boy about five or six cutting up in, in the church pew and everybody around me is looking at me scowling and my dad's next to me and he winks at me and he starts <laughs> twiddling his thumbs. <laughs> and it's like he's, uh, he's, he's giving me a whole different message and everybody was kind of scowling at me. And, I, and, and he's kind of placed that in my in my head that this tension between, on the one hand, it's a delight to be with God. On the other hand, everybody's scowling at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just coming off as miserable, uh, but your dad, dad's giving you a different, different yeah, message. There. Yeah, and, and so I'm a pastor, and uh, I, I learned the, the, the pastor stuff, and, um, 
And a lot of it seems to be that, you know, God's not too happy with us. And, uh, and that seems to be what we're supposed to be saying. And yet I've always found myself intuitively drawn to those passages of joy and, and how God loves mm-hmm. us. And I, I feel a little bit like uh, I'm not being uh, 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 true to the organization. And yet uh, I'm at an age now where I, I, it doesn't really bother me quite as much. And I need to be true <laughs> to myself. And, uh, and, 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 and there's a joy and there's a love that... Um, that I'm not quite sure that the institution, the organization, the, the public message always uh, always is giving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as a pastor, you're kind of taking the, the spot of your dad here, giving a wink and, and twiddling your thumbs, even as uh, <laughs> other churchy people scowl and, and give... Uh, Give negative feedback, right? Exactly. And as I start having grandchildren now, I just find myself saying, you know, I want to pass on this faith mm-hmm. to my grandchildren. Not that God's angry with you, but God delights in you. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I find it more of a of a calling these days to, well, well, besides this gut feeling, besides my father, who wasn't a pastor, wasn't really well-educated, um, what what kind of grounds? What 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 could be my foundation for this to actually say? You know, I this really is the the right way of approaching our understanding of God, yeah. love and joy. Hmm. Right. Uh, one of the things that opened up a lot of this conversation that we've been having is uh, you you started it with a calendar, and it's a calendar. If we look at it from one year, a three hundred sixty five day year, apparently not a leap year. Uh, but it starts on January 1st, takes us to, to December 31st. And if we think about January 1st as being the Big Bang, uh, that's when it all, all took place. And then it says, here's at different points during the year when things took place. For example, if Big Bang takes place on January 1st, sometime in March, uh, Milky Way uh, forms. It's during August that the sun and the planets form. November, think about this, we've gone almost the whole year, November the 1st, multicellular organisms form. So come December, we have uh, December 17th is the emergence of the first vertebrates. Uh, December 20th, the first four-limbed animals. December 24th, I don't know why it's December 24th, but the dinosaurs appear. The first dinosaurs appeared. But by December 29th, uh, they're wiped out by the the asteroid or, or comet. Look at December 31st. 10.15 a.m., apes appear. 9.24 p.m., first human ancestors walk upright. 10.48 p.m., Homo erectus appears. 11.54 p.m., modern humans begin to to appear. 11.59 and 50 seconds, pyramids are built in Egypt. A second before midnight, the voyage of Christopher Columbus. All of this history taking place, I mean, December 31st, right at the end, but the entire cosmos has been created and, and come into being as we understand it uh, through most of the year. But we only know just like a couple seconds of one day. Oh, puts the story that. in perspective. You know, much of how I understood the church's message was it's all about us. It's all about Adam and Eve, and, and, and that's when history starts. And my goodness, there's a lot of stuff happening. Right. You know? uh, what, what was God doing? Just uh, twiddling his thumbs or her yeah. thumbs waiting for us to appear. And so the, 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 the calendar of Sunday kind of helped me realize, 
Oh, um, maybe I shouldn't start my thinking in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 3. Maybe I should start with Genesis 1, which I've always kind of just you know, plowed through, but you know, it's just kind of prelude. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's invited me to take Genesis 1 seriously. And when I did that, I said, oh my, there it is. It, it, it's, and you've heard it before, on the first day God did this, and the second day God did that, and the third day and the fourth day. But after each day, it says, and, and God, what? saw what he had done, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And I, 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 as a grandfather, I, I, I think of the first time I went to the hospital to hold my grandchild, and what do all grandparents do? But, oh, look at those little fingers. That's so good. And, and look at those eyes. And, oh, look at that smile. And, and then telling the parents, oh, this one's very good. <laughs> and I got... I found what I was looking for, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that our story really doesn't begin with God being angry with us. And, and that's kind of how I felt the church's message suggested. And it begins with God delights in all of creation, of which I am part of. So you mean to tell me that it doesn't start with God being angry? No, that's the <laughs> third chapter of the book. Uh, right. The first chapter is delight. You know, I, I love it because if, if we look at at this uh, this Genesis one as this is the intro poem to the whole thing. It just shows this explosive, awesome, creative, just the joy of creating and the joy in what is being made. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, you talk about in terms of of grandchildren, or we can look at children, or, or Chris. You know, uh, when you are creating and, and and as an artist, think about things that you've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 when I when I do think about that, it's um, there's there's excitement about the possibility well before I decide mm-hmm. if I like what I'm creating or not, and and um, and how I change it or how I tweak it as as I create something. There, there's a, this whole drawn out process, and there are certainly times where you know, I'm not so sure about this piece, and so let me pare that away, or let me change that, or let me whatever. But um, but the the whole whole process begins from a point of of possibility and creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a really helpful framework for um, for our faith as a whole too. I mean, I don't think you can create not that way mm-hmm. um, as an artist, but mm-hmm. it certainly gives you a different perspective from I think the common story at the very least of of how we understand uh, kind of our faith journey. And you look at that um, the the joyful creating. God who's delighting in everything, everything's good. Uh, and I like what you said, you know, even, even before you make the thing, mm. even before you make the thing, there's kind of this anticipation and excitement about the thing that you're about to do. So before, during, after, and then some reason, Christians got to be these scowling people in the pews trying to scare Charles. Yeah, <laughs> and they were really good at it. <laughs> so how does that happen, and what is that? Um, what's the next step in the story, then, or the next part of this? You know, if you, if you walk in, in, in a woods, you'll, you'll see everything is there, and it all kind of belongs. Um, 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 the little things that are growing are, are, are encouraged. The, the, the trees that are dying, it all belongs. Um, uh, 
so much of what I hear the church sometimes say, well, you don't belong, or, or, or you're, you don't fit in, or, or you're not good. And, 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 and the message I think God gives us in, in nature is that I love all of you. You all belong, and, and, and uh, um, you're connected to each other. Uh, uh, the little insects have something to, to do with the, the big tree. I mean, uh, it all belongs, it, and it's all got a plan, and it's all good. I, you know, that, that strikes me as I walk through a, uh, a park. It just, it, it's such a good place, and life is good. So I, I don't have to be afraid. I don't live in scarcity. I don't, uh, I don't have to put you down. I don't have to. Uh, um, we all belong. We all, mm. and God delights in all of us. So a lot of what you're saying is coming out of Genesis one. It's coming out of this point of creativity and, and of love that God has for creation. But what about what about Genesis three? What about the story of of kind of the the fall of of, of humankind and the way that that has played such a central role in in our Christian story for so long. Yeah, and Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, the apple they're not supposed to be eating, and they do, and, and then, all, you know... Um, all hell breaks loose, I guess one could say. They're, they're kicked out. God seems angry. They're ashamed. Uh, and, and so... Um, it's real. Uh, it, it happened. It is happening. It happened to me as that five-year-old boy in church. Uh, I probably deserved angry looks from everyone around me. I was disruptive. I was a bad little kid. It's true. My point is it's not the defining moment. And, and, and I think of my, my, my own children uh, might have been playing with my expensive fly rod and they broke it and they knew they shouldn't have been playing with it. And so uh, my son hides under the bed, afraid of me. Well, yeah, you broke it, but don't spend the rest of your life under the bed. Uh, come on out. Uh, we're, we're moving on. The defining moment is you're my son. I love you. And, and, and so to me, the defining moment is Genesis 1. God delights in us. Yes, we've messed up. Yes, we've made mistakes. But that's not the defining moment. And it's not how I define you by your mistakes or other people by uh, their weaknesses or flaws. I define us by we belong. And so, so to me, that's that's the that's the critical point. The what is that defining moment? So, really, a big part about the way that we see this is just where we start. Yes, really. where you start the story. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, two thousand years of Christianity, and they've been missing the first. They've been starting at Genesis three. Well, certainly, a lot of understanding of. You know, Jesus, of uh, the Christ, um, the, the the map you pointed out has this 365 days of, of John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word all was created through God, that, that Christ was creating and doing all this marvelous stuff. Um, we've sort of narrowed... The, the mission of, of Jesus down to just dying mm. and and he's the lamb and and, and whereas the, the scripture is much more broad in, in terms of how Christ entered into creation and and was giving us life and light and and all this good stuff so it, it, it just it just broadens our understanding of what, how God uh, has been and is working with us. So obviously there are some differences in kind of where we start the story and, and the ways that we understand who God is and, and how we interact with God. But 
aside from kind of the that basic basic understanding, how do these things actually play out in our churches and in our relationships with other people and those sorts of things? Yeah. So in other words, if you had a Genesis one understanding or a Genesis three understanding, what does it mean? How does it really matter? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and I like uh, a way that Genesis one and Genesis three are summarized, uh, original blessing or original sin. And out of these two uh, 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 titles, we, we see two different ways of, of approaching life. Um, original blessing, Genesis 1, uh, it, it speaks of uh, you are sacred, and all of creation is sacred. Uh, Genesis 3, you're bad, <laughs> and, and low self-esteem, and, and I've got to make sure that I'm a little bit better than you, <laughs> and so I have to put the, who's in, who's out becomes a, a, a big issue in, in original sin, in, in original blessing, um, uh, compassion for all, and compassion for myself. And where, like, where does that come from? Like, what is it that drives that split? I guess as if I take the word compassionate and compare it to um, 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 the need to be morally superior than others, um, if I know that God embraces and loves everything, then I, I don't get caught up in that. Uh, uh, that that I got to I got to prove myself. I've got to earn something. It's already there. It's already there. Um, if, if you've done something wrong, then you're obviously always in, in the process of trying to make it up, and, and you're always in the hole, and you're always wondering, oh, how am I, how am I, you get into this moral uh, uh, business and, and moral. Yeah, the sin accounting business uh-huh. as opposed yeah, yeah. to um, a grace business, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the image of Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden as a little child, that, ooh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and that's one storyline. Another storyline is how God is delighting in us, that, that God has given us everything for your good. Oh, that's an optimistic view of life. Uh, and, and I can be more generous with others. Um, I, I, I love the idea of, of we are co-creators, that, that this whole business of Christ, of, of creating the world in those 364 days you, you talked about, Dave. Um, and now we're on the scene and we co-create and there's a flow about us as we are, are, we are working in that as opposed to this swimming upstream all the time. Life is nothing but a veil of tears. That, and, and, and so I, I see those are the contrasts of how I view my life. You know, if, you, if you're spending your life in a cosmic waiting room, I mean, and, and, and I think in a Genesis 3 understanding, we're, we're waiting till someday when it all gets better Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, no, 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 this isn't about a cosmic wedding. This is you're in this now, and mm-hmm. you are living this, and this is good. Yeah. Well, this is good yeah, and, good. and with that that idea of co-creating, there's a sense of of uh, not only responsibility in some ways, but opportunity to be able to actually make things better now. I mean that that I don't I think that's maybe harder to come by when you start with Genesis three. Mm-hmm. What what I like about the the story that we we hear about in in Genesis one is that. We are created in God's image. Mm, mm. We have that spark of the divine. We have that ability to be co-creators, but but also in God's image, where it seems like that image is tarnished in come Genesis three in some kind of a way, or, or it's it, it's a dimmer I- image. And it's that image that allows me to love you, love my enemy. That 
on the outside, oh, do you irritate me? But I know on the inside that there's a spark of God in you. And I think that's what Jesus is inviting us to, to, to see. Uh, but, but, but when we live with Genesis 3, I'm almost doing you a favor. You're a bad person. Stop being bad, and I got to shake you to your, you know, very core. That you, I, I'm doing you a favor by sort of beating up on you, uh, if that makes any sense. Um, um, whereas Genesis one, uh, I see the spark of God in you, and I want to call that out. I think that's what compassion is—to to see uh, the image of God even in the person who's just acting in a such a horrible way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Genesis one gives me a a better place to stand to be the compassionate person I want to be, to, to be the person that, that, that is um, healing this broken world and making a difference. Um, uh, Genesis 3, I don't always feel, gives, gives me that place to be the person I, I really feel I want to be, a, a, a caring, loving, joyful person. Um, I wonder if, if in some ways... Uh, beginning in Genesis 3, beginning in a place of uh, kind of already starting behind, mm-hmm. already starting mm-hmm. kind of like you have to work your way up. If you just lose the energy because you've, you're have you so focused on how do I get to that? How do I get to the place where God wants me to be so that I have the ability to make things better? Mm-hmm. And I think Genesis 1, alternatively, this this idea of, of original blessing maybe suggests that that we already are. We don't have to work to that. We already have the capacity for those sorts of things. To be able to change our focus to the one of original blessing changes the way that I interact with my spouse, my kids, my coworkers. The idiot who I was driving behind when I was coming here today, (laughs) like that guy, I get to look at him through different, a different lens. Genesis one, uh, original blessing allows me to do that. Uh, it, you, you mentioned at the outset, I think, uh, I think Jesus needs better PR than this, right? Absolutely. And I think maybe as Charles was suggesting, it's that we rethink that defining moment and really learn how to start the story at the beginning. The image that sticks with me is when I'm on a road trip. I'll often stop at at these rest stops, get out, walk around, stretch my legs. I'll get out and I'll look at the map that they have posted in these places. And they usually have these big arrows with with the words, you are here. Gives me a a sense of exactly where I'm at in the country, how far I've driven, how far I have to go yet. On a road trip this past summer, I'm standing in a rest stop and I saw the map, I saw the arrow. And then I looked outside, and the whole place was surrounded by cornfields. It was just Iowa being Iowa. That same road trip, a little while later, I looked out, and I could see trees and mountains and rugged terrain. We had made it to Colorado. What about the conversation we've been having? The Bible stories in Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. Where are you? Imagine you're located in, in Genesis 1, that place of original blessing and, and playful creation. What's around you? What is the terrain? Who are the people? Do they talk with an accent? What is your experience? What about Genesis 3, a place of original sin, brokenness, separation? 
what's around you? Who's around you? What, what is the terrain? Who are those people? What is their accent? What is your experience? Maybe you have never known anyone from the land of original blessing and generosity and abundance. Maybe your native land is a place where everyone always seems to be working from a deficit, coming up short, missing the mark. If that's your place, how about a road trip? Let's try this. Let's try visiting a place, a primary location of original blessing and generosity. Try it out for a while. How does the world change when you see things at this rest stop and spend some time there? What is it like to stay in a place of abundance instead of scarcity? Blessing instead of curse? Grace instead of scorekeeping? Let's try staying there for a while. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. Uh, special thanks to Charles for joining us today for this episode. And thanks for inviting me. It's been a good conversation. I've enjoyed it. We'd love to continue the conversation and we'd love to have you back again sometime, Charles. I, there's so much more. And this is just uh, really the tip of the iceberg and, and much more to, to discover here. And uh, we'd also love to continue the conversation on our social media platforms on Twitter and, and Facebook. Also, check out our website. Uh, also, if you would, uh, rate us on iTunes and uh, give us good ratings because that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. We'll see you later. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.